time. All right. Three, two, one. Well, Tim had a little bit of a technical error, but uh, just just continuing with his thoughts. First of all, I think you're going to draw a little bit of ire here from these Yankee fans, <laughs> suggesting that maybe beloved Judge is on steroids. But listen, I think whatever you feel, I just think Major League Baseball has to make some sort of decision on consistency because they're kind of towing the line right now. You either have to fully embrace the steroid guys that they did set the records or you have to go fully against it. You can't be acknowledging them as the record holders or when you're promoting that Albert Pujols has joined Barry Bonds in the 700 club, yet not let them into the Hall of Fame where you celebrate said history. So you either have to embrace it fully or go against it. You're going to upset some people either way, but you got to make that decision. You can't be going in between with the two. Here's my thoughts. Barry Bonds obviously has the record. I appreciate that the following and the fanfare that Aaron Judge has gotten during this whole path to trying to set this record, a record, by the way, that stood for 61 years in the American League. It still means a lot. It still means a lot, this AL record. And I think the casual fan that is just casually follows baseball might not even realize that Barry Bonds and McGuire and Sosa have the record with the way it's covered. It's they think that Aaron judge is about to set the major league record and they tied Roger Maris for the major league record. So I don't have a problem with it personally. I don't really enjoy the steroid guys getting celebrated too much. And I appreciate thinking that Aaron judge might be the home run King. Hopefully he's not taking steroids. Like you may have suggested. Well, I, I just, I don't like about it. And it's the only thing where I have the criticism in baseball. Cause obviously it's breaking up between American league and national league, but I hate the fact that there's a record individually per each league, just like how granted Miguel Cabrera, for example, back when he won a triple crown naturally won it leading the league quite literally in every single category between, uh, I think he even led the league in hits that year, but you know, homers, RBIs, average, and so on. Judge isn't going to do that this year, but he, as long as the average continues to lead the American league, he's going to win a triple crown. And to me, that just doesn't feel natural. So that's like my only criticism to yeah. it. The fact that we're going over a record. Wow. That's great. But it's not what Barry Bonds it. I, like it, it sounds great. It doesn't happen too often, but it's it's a record, but it's not a record. I, I don't like that we break it down between AL and L for records. It should just be Major League Baseball one record. There shouldn't be two names with two different records. They they play the same sport in the same profession. I do think eventually it's going to be homogenized. I mean, that is very archaic, thinking the NL and the AL are so separate. And we've been progressively making our way towards bringing the two leagues together. Back in the 80s, there were separate umpires for the National League and the American League who wore different color shirts and different padding. That has changed. Now the DH is unified throughout everything. Now with the schedule change next year, everybody plays everybody regardless of league. And I do think eventually there's going to be a geographical switch in the way the divisions are. I don't think that's coming now, but I think down the line five, 10 years from now, we might see a situation where it goes to an East and a West and you have the Mets, Phillies, Yankees, Red Sox all in the same division. You try to keep, you know, the traditions. You keep the Dodgers and Giants and the Cubs and Cardinals in. Maybe you still call it the National League, but that becomes well, like a Western thing. AL has the Yankees and the Red Sox. And with practically half of baseball making the playoffs now, because we're almost like the NBA, where the regular season is almost meaningless. Um, almost 
every team, it feels like, has a chance to make the playoffs. Now, granted, I, I know that there's a lot of bad teams in baseball as well, quote-unquote tanking, although we don't talk about that too much. Yeah. Um, it, it's more the fact that either way, there's a lot of teams, almost 75% of the teams in baseball, you know, going just into this month, had a chance of still making the playoffs somehow, some way. And that really also shouldn't be that way, which is why I think if you think about divisions, they just break it between an Eastern and Western and so on, because it just, to me, doesn't make sense to keep on how the division play is. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Let's talk about a division race, though, that's getting good, and it's going to come down to this weekend. The New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Mets led the division for most of the year. Braves took the lead from the Mets when they had the really rough stretch around Labor Day, but the Mets have bounced back. The Braves went on a stretch where they lost six of eight. Now the Mets have the lead back. Both of these teams are going to win over 100 games this season, but one is going to get the two seed and get a buy into the second round. The other one is going to have to play in the wild card round, a best of three series against a pretty solid baseball team in the National League, whether that be San Diego or Philadelphia or potentially Milwaukee. All of that being said, it's going to get interesting now. And the Mets called up their top prospect, Francisco Alvarez. Fans are excited about it. They actually just posted their lineup for tonight. Jacob deGrom is on the mound for game one of the series. And with Starling Marte currently hurt, I really like the lineup that Buck Showalter put together for this game. He's got Brandon Nemo leading off. He's got Pete Alonzo, who's been so productive this season, batting second because Alonzo has been getting on base all the time. I like the way they moved him up the two and Lindor, who suddenly has become a big RBI guy these last couple of weeks, bat him at three. Mark Canna is the cleanup hitter. He'd probably not be in the lineup if Marte was healthy, but even still, Canna's dominated the NL East this season. Jeff McNeil is in right field batting fifth. Eduardo Escobar, who's batting just under 400 in the month of September, is batting sixth. Francisco Alvarez makes his major league debut. He's a catcher, but he's going to DH and bat seventh. Luis Guillorme, the second baseman, eighth. And Tomas Nito is catching and batting ninth. I love that lineup top to bottom. And this is going to be a fun series for the Mets. It's going to be stressful, but they've got DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett all out there. Outside of Starling Marte, the entire team is healthy. So this is really going to be the telling sign. This three-game series, two largely healthy teams competing for the NL East. We really get to learn who's the superior team, the Mets or the Braves. They both have their three best starters lined up for the series. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing for the Mets is, honestly, you've got to get run support early on for both Scherzer and DeGrom. I mean, you have this offense that has a pure capability of producing in big moments. And honestly, the Mets this year, they've played better than the Braves when they're facing each other, of course, uh, in that regards. And the Mets have controlled this division pretty much from start to finish until they lost the lead for a brief little bit of time. And I feel like for the Mets, that's going to be a motivating factor just a little bit because at the end of the day, you can't lead something for so long and then just let it fall out of your reins. It's the, the, the Mets, in my opinion, have been the team that dominated the East. And it's just simply the, the, the Braves are a team of runs, literally a team of runs. They go on big winning streaks and then they die out a little bit. They go back in a big winning streak. They die out a little bit. And I'm not saying the Mets are going to have the upper hand, but the Mets are just more consistent. The Mets may not, uh, how do I put it? The Mets may not, you know, win 14 games in a row like the Braves, but they may win six, seven, lose one, turn around, you know, win four or five, 
lose one. The Mets are just more consistent team. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, I think Austin Riley also in the opposite case for the Braves making another, and I said this last year, in my opinion, he was my NL MVP last season. Uh, he's making, I'm not saying he's going to be by any means, but he's making another quiet case for them. I'm eager to see what his production is going to be. But God, between this race and the NL East, and honestly, God, the NL, ML, uh, the NL MVP race towards the end of the season, um, I think there's going to be a lot of chaos and it's going to be a lot of fun while the AL is practically sleeping. It's arguably, uh, I know you talk about the difference. The AL is literally asleep. There's nothing entertaining right now in the American League. Yeah, that's just kind of what happened. The Yankees and Astros ran away with it. The Yankees had such a big lead that even though they had the disastrous 40-game stretch, they're, they're fine. They're going to win the AL East. And honestly, I think it's just going to be the Yankees and Astros cruising through unless Tampa Bay can go on some sort of big run. I don't <laughs> see that happening with that. For the Astros, they're going to have a difficult path because think about it like this. Well, oh, you think the Yankees are the two. Well, the way it breaks down is the Yankees, no matter what, with the way the playoffs are this year, it's not, you know, higher face lower like the NFL. The Yankees are going to play either Cleveland or they're going to play Seattle. Seattle stays as the six. Whereas uh, the NL or the AL East this year has been arguably the strongest division in baseball. You're going to have, of course, three teams in there. Well, Guess what? Houston first round, they're going to face either Tampa Bay or they're going to face Toronto. And it's pick your poison. Do you want the more stronger offense of Toronto or do you want a team that might add they almost lost to uh, a few seasons back in the playoffs uh, overall of, of the Tampa Bay Rays? And the Rays, too, let's be honest underwhelming year compared to past years, but they're still in the mix. You can never underrate them. Fair enough, but at the same time, I don't think the Yankees' opponents are that, that much easier. I mean, Cleveland's been really good this year, and Seattle, we saw what happened when the Mariners played the Yankees earlier this year, and they have a lockdown rotation. They do have some guys in that team with playoff experience, and they've got some really talented young players. So I could see them maybe going a Tampa Bay Rays-esque run, but I agree with you. The Rays are going to be difficult, a stingy team no matter who they play. I still don't see it happening for the Toronto Blue Jays. They did fire their manager during the season. I think there's still a lot of gaps on the Blue Jays. And as much as I thought they were a promising team a couple of years ago, I really don't feel like they have as high of a ceiling as we first expected when Vladdy and everybody else came up, just because there's a lot of shortcomings on the rest of that roster. But Rogers Center is always rocking for any sort of playoff game. So that would be fun if they host anything. And we're also potentially going to see two playoff teams that fired their managers earlier in the year, too, which is also crazy to think about. Yeah, but that's I, what happens when you have the expanded playoffs. So, you know, these teams get redemption. And I want to finish with that because the NL, there's still some interesting things happening outside the Mets and the Braves. There were really three teams going vying for two spots right now. You've got the guaranteed four seed is going to be the loser of the NL East but you've got San Diego, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee who are all just falling over each other for these last two spots. And it's not like they're clutching up and playing well. Remember last year, the Cardinals went on their crazy run to get to the postseason. This year, it's these teams, I think it's like who wants to, you know, who wants to miss the playoffs the least is going to be the ones that are going to get in because the Padres have had their chances. They made the big trades. And once again, the Padres bring in high-end talent and it doesn't work. Juan Soto has not played all that well. Brandon Drury has been their best trade deadline acquisition, which is hilarious. And Josh Hader has been horrible as with San Diego. And then 
which is even worse for where you've got Manasis and Abrams going over to Washington and playing great now at the major league level for the Nationals. So that's that you got that problem there. And the Padres, no matter how much talent they get, they're never going to compete with the Dodgers with this group. The Phillies, it looks like, oh, they're in a good spot. I know they're third in the NL East, but they've got their 80 and 67. And then all of a sudden they just completely collapse. They've lost 10 of their last 13 games. The pitching rotation, which I thought had flaws when I've seen them play the Mets this year, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola as your top two is not going to get you very far. And then you got the Brewers. You think, oh, they have the best rotation of these three teams. Well, they blew a game against the Marlins. They had a 2-0 lead in the eighth inning and gave up a grand slam last night to Avisael Garcia. So none of these teams are really playing that well. None of them are really going that far. Let's be honest. It's the top four teams in the NL that it's going to come down to, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Braves. But out of those three teams right now, Tim, who's going to be the one to miss out on the postseason? God, I'm going to sound like a hater, but I really think it's going to be Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia, it's every year for the Phillies. Every year. They're battling around 500. And then they just choke it away. They're in the playoff mix late in the season, and they choke it away. It's almost very uh, – I don't want to say it like this because not to take a shot at the Mets, but it's very New York Mets-esque, if you remember, in the mid-2000s, where it's like, oh, they're in the mix, especially the 2007 season. Oh, you're in the mix, and then boom, the last day, you're out of the playoffs. For the Mets, it's obviously now much different with Steve Cohen and ownership. But for the Phillies, you fired your manager, you fired Joe Girardi, I have a little bit of burst. Again, I know they're playing well offensively since Bryce Harper has come back from his injury in the middle of the year. But at the end of the day, I still think they're one of the most overrated organizations. They don't have talent. They really don't have talent to put you over. They may have talent to, to compete around that 500 level, but they don't have talent to compete when it matters in big, big moments. And Again, I know like Reese Hoskins has had a very solid year. He always hits, you know, 20, 20 and 80 RBI or 20 home runs, 80 RBIs every year. That's great. But when you have no one that can produce in a big moment, that's a problem. So I feel like Philadelphia is going to be the team that ends up fading. I'm not saying that the Brewers exactly make the playoffs either, but I feel like the Brewers have postseason experience, at least with that group, a little bit to understand. Um some some stuff in a big moment whereas philadelphia it's just been collapse after collapse um and and honestly again i just don't really know how i can back that and also by the way i just want to make one last point i totally forgot christian yelich was in the league since since that borderline mvp season and he's been horrible i think the last two years prior to this year i totally forgot he played for the brewers i totally forgot about that him and bellinger that year fluky for both of them and they both just completely faded away so we'll see what happens a week left in the major league baseball season next episode we'll be previewing the mlb playoffs so that should be fun also nba right around the corner only three weeks until opening night of the 2022-23 nba season they just had media day a lot of interesting stuff happened there but we'll leave it at that for this episode. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Sportspeak Live. There we have our NASCAR pick'em and our NFL pick'em each and every week. But until next time, I'm Eddie Kalegi. And I'm Tim Moore. Signing off of Sportspeak. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend.